Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Anchor of Beaumont podcast, where we love God and we love people. I'm so excited to bring this message to you today, but before we get started, I want to say two things. First, I hope you all are doing well during this difficult time. And second, please rate this podcast and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening from. It really means a lot for us. The reason why we ask is because it lets the podcast become ranked and exposes more people to it so we can bring the message to them. Okay, so with that out of the way, this episode is called The Point of Miracles. Spencer Records teaches about getting in the business of the kingdom. We must get excited about doing the work for the Lord. We must become sensitive to God's glory and become an operator. He also answers the questions of, why did Jesus even perform miracles? Okay, so let's get into it. Enjoy the message. Greetings. I want to officially welcome you to Midpoint at the Anchor whether you're here in the audience or whether you're joining us online, welcome and God bless you and thanks for tuning in and thanks for coming and thanks for being a part. My name is Spencer Records. I'm one of the ministers on staff here at The Anchor and it's my awesome honor and privilege to be able to communicate a message to you tonight and I'm super excited about what God is going to do and what God wants to say here tonight. And so I say we just get right into it. How's that sound? Just jump into it. All right, so we're, I'm going to be turning your attention to the book of Romans, chapter 15, and we're going to read two verses to open up with. And uh, I have to say, this past Sunday service was absolutely incredible. I felt, I felt that we, we, we entered into a level and a dimension of depth in the Spirit. And I believe that Pastor Green is leading this church into a deeper deeper level and dimension of the Spirit, whether you want to call it Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, we're going there in the, in the Spirit. Can I hear an amen? And I'm so excited about what God is doing at the anchor. And uh, uh, I don't even think Pastor even planned to say some of the things that he said last Sunday, but I know I think the Holy Ghost was leading him and guiding him, guiding what he was saying. And it's absolutely incredible because that, that's something that I have been praying that God would do with our pastor. That when our pastor stands here and speaks to this church, that literally God would fill his mouth with God's words. That when he speaks, let it be not just words of comes from man's wisdom or intellect, but literally is the Spirit of God speaking through him. And, uh, uh, and I talked a lot about last week about praying and about, I asked the question, is there room in your life for the harvest? Is there room in your life for the work that God is wanting to do in the earth? Do you have room? Are you, or are you filled with busyness? Are you filled with distractions in your life? Or have you cleared out space in your heart and in your mind and in your life to say, Okay, God, whatever you're wanting to do in the earth, God, I'm making room for you to not just do it through somebody else, but do it through me. And that's exactly what Pastor was preaching uh, this past Sunday. He's saying that literally, we talked about prayer, and we talked about intercessory prayer, and we talked about a defining attribute of intercessory prayer is that you're never praying for yourself, but you're standing in the gap between a loving God and a dying world, and you're standing in the middle, and you're saying, God, I'm praying for other people, and you're praying for salvation, for deliverance, for freedom, for hope, for for people to be set free, you're praying for somebody else besides yourself. And that's the power of, of intercessory 
prayer. But I ask the question, is there room in your life? Are you concerned about the fact that there are people who don't know Jesus Christ and are lost? Uh, Does it bother you? Does it affect you? Is it something that when you go to God in prayer, is there a heaviness in your heart or about other people who don't know Jesus Christ? Or is it just your focus is mostly just on things going on in your life, whether it's your needs or your prayer requests or, you know, your bills that are due. And we all have those types of situations, but is there room in your life for what God is doing? An absolutely incredible statement made by Jesus Christ when he was just 12 years old. His parents couldn't find him. They were looking all over for him. And when they finally found him, he's in the temple and he's teaching religious experts of the law about what the law actually says. And they're blown away. They're baffled at the wisdom and the understanding and the authority that this 12-year-old boy is teaching the Scriptures. And when his parents get on to him and say, geez, what are you doing? He says, I was about the business of my father. All right? He's saying, I was all about the business of my father. You know, and does anybody, does it really bother anybody when somebody gets up in your business? It kind of bothers me. It's like, okay, you worry about you, I'll worry about me, all right? You know, uh, you've got your own problems to deal with, so you kind of work on yourself a little while before you come over here and try to work on me. That's one of my pet peeves. One of my pet peeves is when I'm working on something, and somebody comes up behind me, and they're like, oh, you know, let me show you how it's done, and they, like, try to take over what I'm doing. Like, that drives me crazy, you know? Stay in your lane, and I'll stay in my lane. We hate it when people get in our business. Can I hear an amen? But if there was ever anyone who not only wanted you to get in their business, but literally was pleading and begging you, hey, come and get all up in my business. It's the business of the Father. It's an invitation he's giving to every single one of us. Hey, come and be about my business. Come and see what I'm doing. Come and see what I'm working on. Come and see the things that break my heart. Let them break your heart. And so is there room in your life for what God is doing? You see, that's a key to revival. That's a secret to revival. Is so many people try to say, okay, God, this is what I want you to do. And this is, and do this, God, and do this. And here's my list of all the things I want you to do, God. And when you do all the things that I want you to do, then there'll be revival. But it's actually the opposite. It's when we say, okay, God, here's my list of things. I lay them down. I'm laying my wants, I'm laying my desires down, and I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek for what you want to do. God, I want to know what you're working on. I want to know what your list, I want to know who you're reaching for and getting on page with what God is already doing. You see, that's that's, that's a secret to revival is that God is already doing things. He's already reaching for people. There's people he's got his eye on right now who live in this city, and they have no clue that God is watching them, and God is reaching them, and God's Spirit is drawing them, and God is already doing things. But it's when we, the people of God, decide, hey, God, reveal to us what you're already doing. There was a missionary. His name was Billy Cole. Uh, absolutely. Uh, he's, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. He's passed away, but he was a missionary for many, many years in the nation of, of Thailand. And uh, he, his, I read his book, and he has absolutely incredible stories. But it's been documented that more people 
have received the gift of the Holy Ghost under the ministry of Billy Cole than any other person who has ever lived. Because Billy Cole had this incredible gifting to be able to come to a city or to come to, a, to an area of Thailand and then mass crowds would gather to him. And then he began to speak a word of faith over them. And thousands and thousands would get the Holy Ghost at one time. Literally crusades where there would be a, hundred, a crowd of 100,000 people. You can go on YouTube and you can look it up and say, Billy, Billy Cole crusades in Thailand. And you can literally see it's like a sea of people as far as you can see. And he says, when I say Holy when I say." Uh, receive the Holy Ghost, I want you to shout hallelujah, and God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And he'll, he'd pray for them, and say, receive the Holy Ghost. And the whole crowd would just shout hallelujah, and they'd all begin to speak. In t- like absolutely incredible miracles that God worked through him. And somebody asked him and said, what was the secret, what was the key to being used by God in the dimension that you were used by God? And he said, the secret was, I went to the places that God was already doing things. And it was my sensitivity and my ability to be able to pray and feel after the Spirit of God. And I would never go to a city to preach the gospel unless God was already doing something in that city. And Billy Cole said, all I ever did was get on board with what God was already doing. And that is, that's, that this is, has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk tonight, but it has everything to do with what I'm going to talk about tonight. Is hey church, anchor church, let's get on board with what God is doing. Let's be sensitive enough, let's be tender enough, let's be soft-hearted enough to the Spirit of God that we can say, okay God, I've got all this craziness going on in my life and in my family and and." But you know what? I'm, I'm going to make room in my life for what you are doing, God. God's reaching for somebody that, that's in your life right now. It could, it could be somebody in your neighborhood. It could be somebody on your job. God's reaching for their heart right now. And God is looking for somebody to speak to, to, speak to that person by speaking through somebody to speak to them. God wants to use you to reach somebody he's already reaching. And so, anyway, let me get to my my message here tonight. Praise God. That was a little bonus introduction. Romans chapter 15, verses 18 through 19. I absolutely love these verses. Um, And we're going to touch on them at first, and we're going to come back and touch on them again. But the Apostle Paul is writing here, and he says... For I dare not to speak of any of those things which Christ has not wrought by me. He's saying, I'm not telling you anything that I haven't seen firsthand. I'm not telling you a hearsay story that was passed by, told to somebody else, which was told to somebody else. I saw these things myself. These were miracles that happened by my hand. I'm a firsthand witness of these things. He says, to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Okay, that's important. We're going to come back to that. But look at verse 19. He says, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to Ericurium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. All right, somebody say, fully preached. All right, that's important. We're going to come back to that. 
I kind of want to do, do like a circle thing here. I want to start at one spot. I want to work a circle, and then I want to end where I started, okay? So let's, let's begin to work this circle here. It wasn't uh, last year I began to study through something, a topic in the Bible called glory. And I've actually preached about glory here uh, at this church. I preached a message last year about the exchange rate of glory. And, uh, and that was a huge topic throughout the Bible. And I was absolutely blown away about how much the word glory is used throughout the Bible. And in the different contexts it's used throughout the Bible. From Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. It's, it's one of the most common words in the Bible is glory. And, and what I found is that the most usual understanding of the word is that, you know, God, I give you glory. It's, we usually use it in the context of giving praise to God, giving honor to God, giving reverence to God, giving attention to God, you know, and that's, that's kind of how we use it. But what I began to learn is that depending on the context that that word is used, glory, it actually has layers to its meaning, and it can mean more things than just God, I give you praise. But uh, glory is actually the revealed presence of God, or it's the manifested presence of God. See, because God is not a man, God does not have a human body. God is a spirit, and, and a key factor of his spirit is that he's invisible, right? You can't see him. You can't taste him. You can't smell him. You can't feel him. He's literally invisible to, to all of our human senses, Okay? But glory is when the invisible spirit of God decides to reveal himself or manifest himself or make himself known to some level of greed to our human senses. That means you can be praying, all of a sudden goosebumps come over you and you feel something, all right? You didn't feel it before, but now you feel it, all right? Did, did God just magically come in the room? No, God, God has been in the room. But all of a sudden, his glory is being revealed to you, and you're feeling him being revealed in a way that you hadn't felt before. All right? In the Old Testament, God's glory would settle upon a mountain, and they would look up, and they could literally see lightning and thunder and clouds and all of this crazy display of God's spirit. And they literally could see it physically with their eyes. And they said, but this is the glory of God, because they could see it. When, when the priest would bring the sacrifice into the temple and he would sprinkle the blood sacrifice on the mercy seat, it says that there would be Shekinah glory would come and consume the blood sacrifice. And that it was literally visible to the human eye. They could see the glory of God physically come and consume it. Whenever God's invisible spirit becomes known to us, or visible to us, or felt to us, that is a manifestation of God's glory. When we say, man, we had a move of God at church today, all right, you know, God, God doesn't necessarily move. It's just an expression, because God doesn't have anywhere to go. He's omnipresent, you know. He, he doesn't move from place to place, because He's in every place at all times, you know, he's omnipresent. But when that's the way that we describe that, man, God revealed himself in a mighty way. You see, and that's, that's what happened this past Sunday. God revealed himself to this church. His glory was manifested in our service. And God, I felt God impressed at me, is that there were many, many people in this service Sunday who had never been in a move of God. 
and they didn't know how to recognize that they were in a move of God. You see, it's very important, it's very crucial that as people of God, that we be spiritual enough to be able to recognize, okay, God is moving. To be able to recognize God is speaking. To be able to recognize, okay, yeah, we were just having church, but all of a sudden we just entered into a new dimension of the Spirit. All of a sudden, it just something just clicked. I'll never forget it. It was it was before the 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 virus broke out, before we had to stop having services. It may have even been our last service. I'm telling you, there was a there was a service pastor was standing right here, and he just kind of stopped, and all of a sudden something shifted in the spirit. And then he just began to just preach the word of faith to this church. And I remember Ralph Benoit stepped forward, and he just began to say, speak it, speak it. And I felt it at the same moment that Ralph stepped forward. Something shifted in the spirit. Something shifted. That was a manifestation of God's glory. And church, we have got to be able to recognize and respond when God begins to move. Because there's something about the spirit of God. It's like a locomotive. Right, it's like a train. It, when it starts, it gets real. It's really slow sometimes to get started. Sometimes, sometimes how it is. But it's got to build this accumulating momentum. And when somebody is sense enough to recognize, who something is moving in the spirit, and then you add your faith on top of what God is already doing, and then it just begins to accumulate. It begins to build like the snowball effect of snowball running down the hill. The faith begins to grow, and more people begin to say, now I feel God is doing something. And then all of a sudden, sinners come in his place, or unbelievers come in this place, and they're sitting here and saying, my goodness gracious, I feel something I've never felt before. There is something in this church there's something with these people what is it it is it because we're spiritual no it's because the spirit of God is revealing himself in a way they've never seen before if there's ever been a need for today's time and for today's time period it's for God to reveal himself to the to us to his people because there are religious people who literally go to church week in and week out and they don't actually even know who God really is because they've never actually felt God's glory. We need God's glory in the church. I think it was A.W. Tozer said, asked the question that if, if, the, if the Spirit of God, if the Holy Spirit was suddenly taken from the church, would the church as normal, could it just be, continue to go on as normal if God removed the Holy Spirit? And there's a lot of churches that, yeah, they could just keep on doing the same thing they've always done if God removed the Holy Spirit. But God forbid if we ever become a church like that, that we can just keep doing church as usual if God removed His glory from us. But it's got to be something that every week, God, we cry out to God in prayer and say, God, it's not by our human intellect. It's not by our human ability, but it's by Your glory, God. We need Your glory. We need Your Spirit. If we're gonna do, if we're, if we're gonna do great things, for God in this city, if we're going to reach the lost who are addicted to drugs and addicted to sin and all of these things, God, we can't just have patty cake church, but we need a demonstration and a display of your glory, God, for this people, for this time, for right now, in Jesus' name. You see, bringing glory to God, when we say, God, I bring you glory, it's more than just I bringing you praise, but there's a deeper level that means, God, I want to reveal who you really are to the world. God, there's a lot of people who have an understanding in their mind of God, of who they think God is, and it's not accurate. 
It's not who God really is. It doesn't really represent who God is. And when you say, God, I want my life to bring you glory, what you're saying is, God, let my life accurately represent who you really are to the world. I want to accurately represent your character and your nature to everyone that comes in contact with me. More than anything else, we need the glory of God to be revealed in the earth. You see, God chooses to let his glory come upon people so that he can be revealed through them to someone else or to something else. And there's many ways that God puts his glory on people and, and, on, and he puts his glory on nations. He puts his glory on things. There's a lot of things that God will settle his glory on. But one of the ways that God manifests his glory is through miracles. Everybody say miracles. So I think it's a question worth asking. Is that when Jesus came to the earth and began his ministry, a key component of Jesus' ministry was performing miracles, correct? Have you ever stopped and asked yourself, why did Jesus perform miracles? Why? What was, what was Jesus' mission? What, what was his purpose? What was he hoping to accomplish by performing the miracles? What was the point of the miracles? Was it just so people could you know, be excited and be happy and be joyful, be filled with joy that they were, that they were healed? Was it, was it so that, you know, people could have parties and, and have a good time and they could run the aisles and hoop and holler and, and, and leap for joy? Just, you know, just, did he do it just because? No. He had a reason. He had a purpose for it. And it all goes back to glory. So you look at John chapter 1, verse 14 you know, we, we, know this verse, we know this verse very well. But in John chapter 1, he talks about the Word. Uh, the, Jesus Christ was the, was the Word. In verse 14, he says that the Word was made flesh. Or Jesus Christ was robed in a human body. Jesus Christ became a man. And it says that he dwelt among us. But I love that next phrase of it. He says, when we beheld his glory. We beheld Jesus' glory. But get this, it goes on. Jesus' glory was the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. You see, that's why Jesus did miracles. Because Jesus, through miracles, was able to reveal who he really was to people. And by Jesus revealing who he really was to people, Jesus was actually revealing who God really was to the people. Through the miracles, through the signs, through the wonders, through the healings, God was revealing to the earth the heart of God, the character of God, the, the, the value system of God. You see, and that's why, that's why Jesus came and began to preach what he said, the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the value system of God. The things that value to God. The things that matter to God. All right? He began to preach the kingdom of God, and he began to reveal and show who God really was to people. Okay? This is important. He did miracles for God's glory. Let's look at John chapter 2, verse 11, just to kind of prove this point a little further. It says that 
Jesus' first miracle was he turned water into wine at a wedding. But John chapter 2, verse 11, he says, This beginning, the miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. The purpose of the reason why Jesus did miracles was to reveal who he was. Okay, the greatest, not the greatest, that's not a good adjective. The most important, that's not even, that's not a good adjective either. I'm trying to think of a a good, the correct adjective. But the, the most crucial, the most important, the most necessary question in all of human history, the greatest question is, who is Jesus? Literally, wars have been fought over that one question. Who is Jesus? People have died over that one question. Who is Jesus? A lot of arguments and debates have been started on Facebook by that one question. Because ask a hundred different people, you'll get a hundred different answers of who is Jesus. Jesus, but it is the most important question of all, because hidden in who Jesus is, if we can just get people to see Jesus for who he really is, and not some, not some twisted, distorted concept of who Jesus is, but who he really is, if we can get people to see Jesus for who he really is, I promise you, we... Like Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, I'm going to draw all men unto me. There will be a drawing and there will be a pooling of people to to Jesus Christ. And see, that's why people don't want to accept him because they don't really know him. They don't really have a good understanding of who he is. It's distorted. It's been corrupted by somebody, maybe somebody that had an influence on their life and and told them something or twisted a. Uh, something in their mind. They don't actually know who Jesus really is, but Jesus wants to reveal himself to them accurately to accurately represent who he is. All right, I, I digress. I feel like I'm getting bogged down here, but this is important. It's going somewhere. All right, John chapter 11. Okay, well, just one more example I'll give to you. John chapter 11. All right, the context here is uh, Lazarus dies. And Jesus goes to Lazarus to raise him from the dead. But first he waits four days. Okay? In verse 4, in John chapter 11, it says, When Jesus heard that, he said, when Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. All right? He's saying, Lazarus is is sick. And, and he's going to die, but he's not going to stay dead, basically. You know, Jesus said he was asleep. But he's saying the reason that this ha- is happening is because when this is all said and done, when this is over, and you see Lazarus walk out of that grave after having been dead for four days, and he stunk, and literally people had to come and unwrap the burial clothes off of him. When that happens, when it's all said and done, you're, gonna, you're not going to look at me the same way you've looked at me before. 
Once you realize, I don't just have power over disease, and I don't just have power over sickness, and I don't just have power over wind and waves, but I have power over life itself. I can literally call somebody out of the grave because I'm not just another man performing just some random miracles, but I am the resurrection, and I am the life. And when this is all said and done, I'm going to be glorified, and you're going to see me for who I really am because through this miracle, it's going to reveal my glory. It's going to reveal my character. It's going to reveal my power to you. All right? Let's keep going. You can read the rest of that chapter. I don't have time to, we'll just move on. You know, Christy, I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump ahead to Mark chapter 2. We'll come back to Matthew chapter 10, but let's jump to Mark chapter 2. All right, there's a story in the Gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's not in John, but it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke. And this story is uh, Jesus begins to teach in this house, and, and there's so many people just come to him that, that there, there's four friends that have a lame friend, right? And they bring the lame friend, friend to Jesus, and they can't get into the building. So they climb on the roof, and they start ripping the roof apart, and they lower their lame friend down to Jesus, this is very important here. Pay, atten- pay attention to what, what happens here. This is, I hope I can communicate it correctly. But look at Mark chapter 2, verse 5. And so they lower their friend down, and it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Get this. He sees a lame man who needs a healing, who needs a miracle lowered, and he does not heal him. He forgives him of sin. Okay, this is important. Look at verse 6. But there was a certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts. Verse 7. Why doth this man speak blasphemies? For who can forgive sins but God only? Ooh. Verse 8, and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your heart? Verse 9, whether, here it is, whether it's easier. Is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take up thy bed, and walk? He asked, which would have been easier for me to perform? Would it have been easier for me to say, uh, your sins are forgiven, or would it have been easier for me to say, take up your bed and walk? Verse 10, but, here it is, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, all right, here it is, verse 11, then he turns to him and says, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. Verse 12, last verse, and then we'll get to the point. And immediately he arose and took up the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never saw it on this fashion. Here it is. This is important. Jesus does not heal the man at first. He forgives the man of his sins at first, because Jesus is using this man's, this, he's going to use this man as an example to teach everyone that's listening, everyone that's watching, something new about himself, okay? This is important. This is the point of miracles. He says, which is easier for me to do, for me to heal this man or for me to forgive this man of his sins? 
All right? And then immediately he forgives, he heals the man, and the man gets up and walks. Here's the port that Jesus is trying to communicate. Sometimes you can't just read what it's saying. You have to read in between the lines with Jesus. You have to read what he's trying to say, but didn't actually come out bluntly and say and admit. What he's trying to say is, I want to show you that I not only have the power to heal him, but I also have the power to save him, to give him salvation and and forgive him of his sins. But I also want you to know that one is not any different to me than the other, and one is not any harder to do than the other to me. So he's saying it's not any harder or more difficult for me to heal his physical body than it is to forgive his sins. To me, they're the same level of difficulty or the same level of ease, I should say. They're the same in my eyes. And so what he's saying is the reason that I heal people is to reveal that if I can heal you, then I can also save you. He's saying the reason that I, that I tell people, get rise from your bed and walk, because I'm wanting to reveal something to them and say, if I have the power to make you get up out of your bed and rise and walk out of this place, then therefore I also must have the power to say, if your sins are forgiven thee. So here's the point of miracles. This is the reason that we've got to have miracles in the church, is because miracles reveal that, hey, if Jesus can heal you, he can can also save you from your sins. If Jesus can open your physical blind eyes, that means he can open your spiritual blind eyes of your heart. If Jesus can, can literally mend your broken body, then Jesus can also mend your broken heart. One reveals the other. One points to the other. And that is why we can never, never stop preaching about miracles. We can never stop having faith in miracles. Because miracles reveal who God is. And they reveal God's character. And they reveal God's heart. And they reveal God's passion for people. And that is God's, that is literally God's pattern. Read through the book of Acts. God would send an apostle to a city, and the apostle would not first begin to preach the gospel first. He would first begin to go do miracles. And once people began to have faith in the miracles, then all of a sudden the preacher could begin to preach the gospel. Because that is God's method. So some people will never be saved without the evidence, without the proof of the miraculous. Because, they will, because the miracles reveal who God is. And all of a sudden, whoa, my, my eyes are open, my, my ears are open, my, my legs, I can walk now. All of a sudden, I, I see Jesus different than I just saw him a few seconds ago. Before, he was just some man in some book, like a myth or like a fairy tale or like a legend. But all of a sudden, now it just became real. And all of a sudden, this man is able to do miracles. Then if this man is able to do miracles, it changes the way I see him and the way I perceive him. And all of a sudden... That's when the gospel can be preached. If Jesus can heal you, he heals to reveal he can save. You see, there's a lot of people who are miracle junkies, and they, they just, you know, it's all about the miracles. It's all about signs. It's all about wonders, and it's all about anointing, and it's all about, and it's like one day God spoke to me. He said, I don't want you to seek anointing. He says, because ultimately, I'm the anointed one. He says, don't seek the anointing, seek the anointed one. If you, he says, if you seek me, you have all the anointing 
you need. Because it's not my responsibility to conjure up some kind of anointing upon me. It's my responsibility to literally die to who I am and become a fluid conduit for Jesus himself to flow through me. Jesus told me, he says, don't seek miracles. Seek the miracle man. Seek the miracle worker. Okay? Don't seek, don't chase after healings. You chase after the healer. Okay, this is important because the glory is never revealed for glory's sake. God never does anything just to do something. He does something to reveal something else. All right? So our prayer should be, God, God, let people see you like they've never seen you before. God, let your glory be revealed to people. God, people who have a distorted, distorted picture of who you are, God, let that be corrected. And if you want to do it through miracles, God, then by all means, let miracles happen. But ultimately, let you, your name be glorified. Let people come to salvation. Let people come to repentance. Let people be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let there be moves of your spirit. And let people see you for who you really are. That's the goal. The goal is God. If there are anybody that walks into this church or into this building and they are lacking in faith, let the glory of God be revealed to such a degree that, that, that all doubt is removed from their mind and they're able to receive something from you in a service. We should seek after God being revealed. Christy, I'm going to back up to uh, Matthew 10. Okay, Jesus is teaching and training his disciples. And he begins to send them out. And he gives them instructions of what they should do. He says in verse 7, he says, As ye go. Okay, this is important. This is important. You know, let's, let's read through 7 and 8 and then I'll come back. As ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 8, here's, his, here's what he instructs them to do. He says, number one, you go and you heal the sick. You cleanse the lepers. You raise the dead. You cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely you give. Those are instructions he gives them to do. And they go out and begin to do this. All right, but verse 7 is important. It says, as ye go. If you want to dissect what that means, he's saying what that means is, as you go about your normal everyday life, here it is. God wants to do something through you. You have a ministry, you have a calling, there is a work that God wants to do in your life. But God doesn't want you to just, God wants you to do it as you go. All right, if you're a plumber, as you're plumbing, I want to do things through you. If you're a doctor, it's as you're practicing medicine. If you're a teacher, it's as you're working with your students. Whatever it is that you do, God wants to be invited into your everyday life. He wants to be invited in you. See, a lot of people feel a call to the ministry, and now they're, they're trying to figure out how to quit their job and trying to figure out how to become full-time preachers. That's not how it works. It's as you go. It's what you're already doing. Invite God along with you and be sensitive enough to let God lead you by his spirit to minister to somebody else. Okay, as you go, invite God along with you in your everyday life. Preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right, that's important. Everybody say preach. Preach does not mean to stand at a pulpit and scream. Preach means open your mouth and tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. My best sermons have been preached at Starbucks my, my best sermons have been preached 
not from a pulpit, but just sitting down at a restaurant and talking to somebody at a table. Because I may not be screaming at them with a microphone, but I'm, liter- I'm literally preaching the gospel. I'm literally communicating the gospel to them. All right? Every single one of you are called to preach. Okay? You may not be called to preach in a public capacity, obviously. But every one of you are called to share your story of what Jesus Christ is doing in your life with somebody else. Okay? Preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. I don't have time to touch on, dissect each and every one of those, but hopefully they're self-explanatory. The fact is that Jesus sent them out, and this is not only was not only their commission for them to do, but this is still for us today. As you go, you have the authority when the Holy Spirit leads you to lay hands on somebody that's sick and pray the prayer of faith over them. You don't have to bring them to pastor to pray for them. You can, do, you can pray for them right then and right there. You don't, have to, you don't have to shake their head and scream at them. You can just take them by the hand and you just, you just begin to pray. And I promise you, the Holy Ghost can move just as strong there as it can here. All right, cleanse the leper. I don't have time to dissect all of that. But we have been given commission. We have been given the authority by God to go out and begin. Okay, here's the thing. Anything that Jesus would be doing if he was here in the flesh, that's what we need to be doing on behalf of him as his ambassador. And that was good enough. I need to say it again. Anything that Jesus would be doing if he was here in the flesh, he wants to do through you as his representative. And here it is. Freely you have received, freely you give. I could preach a whole message on that. But you cannot give what you do not have. But also, anything that you've ever been given, now it's your responsibility to give to somebody else. All right? If God's ever given you joy, God deposited joy in your spirit. Now you have the authority. What you've been freely given, you need to go and give to others. If God's ever given you peace, then you have now the authority to go and give peace to others. I have stories I could tell about this. I don't have time to get into it. But if God's ever healed your physical body, you have the authority because what you've been freely given, now you need to go freely give to somebody else. And so maybe there's things that God has done in your life that you've been holding on to. And that's exactly what Pastor was preaching Sunday. He talked about a gift, a present, that we've been given this present like on Christmas, but yet we, we, we sit there and hold the box still wrapped up with the bow on it. And we haven't opened it. And we're so excited. We got this gift. Oh, thank you, God, for giving this to me. But he gave it to you for you to unwrap the gift and then go and give it to somebody else. All right? Freely you have received. Freely you give. Whatever God's given to you, go and give to somebody else. And here's something I I love is that he says, go. You've got to go. It's your responsibility to go to them and don't wait for them to come to you. See, the modern-day church, we've got this backwards. We sit and wait for them to come to us. But Jesus said, he said, you go. All right. We've turned the us go into y'all come. Y'all come and see what we got going on here. I invite you to just come to church with me. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with inviting people to church. But he didn't say invite people to come to you. He says, you go to them. And you, you, you lay hands on them and you heal the sick and you cleanse the lepers, and you raise the dead, and you cast out devils. You go to them. 
Anything God has ever done, he can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, he can do here. Anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for you. And if God is going to use somebody, then he might as well use you. And we always get, we always wait. God, you know, exactly what pastor said. He says, don't just pray for God to do the miracle. Pray for God to do a miracle through you. Don't wait for somebody else to come along. You're the one that's come along. Don't wait for God to send somebody else. God sent you. You're right there, the right moment, the right time. Step out in faith. Don't wait for somebody else. God wants to use you. And he doesn't want you to wait until you're perfect to do it. If you wait until you're perfect to be used by God, you will die of old age having never done anything. You'll never be perfect to be used by God. It's never going to happen. Just respond by faith. All right, and I'm going to hopefully wrap this circle up. We're coming to the, the end here where we began. Romans 15. This is the scripture that we read at the beginning. And I'll end with this. Romans 15, but chapter 18. I love this. He says, I dare not to speak of any of those things which Christ has not wrought by me. I'm tired of reading about miracles in books from other people. I'm tired of reading about things God did in previous generations. I don't, I don't want to ever preach and tell, tell I, I get tired of preaching and telling stories of miracles God did through other people. I want to start telling some of my own stories of things that God has done through me. All right, if, if God's done it for other churches, he can do it for this church. He's not a respecter of persons. He says, I'm not going to talk about anything that God has not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient. Here it is, by word and deed. Say word and deed. Okay, this is so important because we get the preaching right, the word right a lot of times, but we don't get the deed right, and it takes both. It's not just word. It's, it's not just preaching. It's not just proclaiming. It's now practicing. It's not just declaring, but now it's demonstrating, all right? I've now declared to you that Jesus is a healer. Now we've done enough declaring about it. Now let's demonstrate that Jesus is a healer. It takes not only word, but it takes deed. In fact, that's what the Apostle Paul said in Corinthians. He says the kingdom of God is not word. It's through power. He says, I didn't come to you with a bunch of fancy words and a bunch of fancy sermons to impress you about how good of a speaker was. I came to you with demonstration of power and of the Spirit. We need not only word, we need deed. We got a lot of people who can talk the talk but don't, aren't really good at walking the walk. And I, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. Theology has got to be more than just theology, head knowledge. It's got to be we're living out the truths of the Word of God. It can't just be words in a book that we will argue over. It's got to be more than just words in a book. It's got to come alive and it's got to be real. But I love this part in verse 19. He says, here it is. Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that in everywhere that I preached, I have fully preached the gospel 
of Christ. Here it is. The Apostle Paul said, for the gospel to be fully preached, to be fully preached, the gospel is not complete without the miraculous. And if you can preach death, burial, and resurrection and never see signs, wonders, or miracles, then from what the Apostle Paul believed, then the gospel has not yet been fully preached. All right? And this is where it hits me right, right in my gut because I'm really good at preaching death, burial, and resurrection, but I'm not as good at seeing sign, wonders, and miracles. And I don't want to just halfway preach the gospel. I want to fully preach the gospel. And why does it matter? Because, get this, the reason Jesus heals is to show that if I can heal you, I can also save you. And that's why the gospel is not complete without the miraculous. Because the miraculous truly reveals the true power that is within the gospel. And I want this to be a church where the gospel is fully preached. I want this to be a church where Jesus Christ is accurately and truly represented for who he really is. I want the gospel to be fully preached. God, I want you to be fully seen, be fully revealed, be fully known. I don't I just I wish I could have a conversation with the apostle Paul about exactly what he meant but from what I can gather he's saying God has not finished doing what he wants to do in a place until people start looking around and saying okay that's weird okay that's different. Okay, wow, this is not what I... And so crazy signs, wonders, and miracles and things that can't be explained away start happening. Things that a doctor comes in and says, you know, I have no, I have no idea how this person got healed of that. Until we start having things like that take place, we haven't fully revealed the kingdom of God in the earth. So let's get on board with what God is doing. Those of you who are sitting here in this audience, thank you for being here. And those who are watching online, I challenge you. I challenge you to begin to analyze your life and begin to analyze your sensitivity to the leading of the Spirit and begin to pray that God, that the gospel would be fully preached. If you ever hear a preacher say that miracles are not for today and are not for now, then I believe they're preaching a false doctrine and they're not pre they're preaching a false gospel because miracles God is still a miracle worker and as long as I live as long as I breathe and as long as God allows me to preach I will preach that God is still doing miracles and that God wants to do miracles and so right where you are if you're tuning in online if you're watching, I want you to just stop whatever you're doing, and I want you to begin to pray with me. And if you can pray with me here in this audience, let's just begin to pray that the gospel will be fully preached in this church. And not just in this church, but in this city. And not just in this city, but all across this nation, God. God, our nation needs a, a healing like never before, God. They need you to be on display like never before. God, help the church be the church and let the gospel be fully preached 
preached not just in foreign countries. God, Lord, but let it be done here in North America. Lord, let people see you for who you really are in North America. Lord, let people see your, your heart and your character and your nature, God. Be fully revealed to people, God. Lord, people who have misrepresented you, God, let them begin to be cast down, Lord. And let people who have a heart to accurately represent your character and your nature. God, Lord, I pray you begin to, to use people, to use anonymous people, to use people who pray in prayer closets, God, who aren't standing on street corners drawing attention to themselves, God. But use people. Let your spirit anoint people. Raise up an army. Raise up a generation for such a time as this, Lord. Right now, God, Lord, we pray for this, this Sunday service. That's Pentecost Sunday. Lord, let, it, let, the, let us have a true Pentecost experience in this church, God. We pray that the glory of God will be revealed, that the glory of God will be manifested, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that the miraculous will take place and that the gospel will be fully preached, Lord. Lord, I pray for the gift of faith to begin to be stirred up, Lord, in the people of this congregation, Lord, the core members of this church, Lord. I pray, Lord, that the gift of faith begins to be stirred up within their heart, Lord. Lord, and that they, they recognize when you are moving and that they recognize when you are speaking and they recognize when you're wanting to do miracles, God. And I pray we have a spiritual sensitivity, God. Lord, a spiritual sensitivity to know what you're doing, God. Lord, Lord, that it is not a mistake that we are that where we are right now, but we are here for such a time as this, for such a time for right now, God. You're not looking to use anybody else, God. You're looking to use us, God, right here, right now in this moment. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God, be revealed, God. Be revealed, God. Be represented, God. Be put on display, high and lifted up, God. High and lifted, Scott, heal people to show you can save people, God. Open people's physical blind eyes to reveal that you can open the eyes of their hearts, God. Heal people's physical crippled legs, God, to show that you can heal, God, the, that you can heal their spirits, God. Heal, God, Lord, on every level, God, Lord. Let there be demonstration, not just, not just declaration, God. Let there be practice, God, not just proclamation, Lord. Let it be in word and let it be in deed. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you're watching there through the, through the live stream, just begin to say, in Jesus' name. If you're listening in this house, just say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God. We do this in your behalf. We pray these prayers on your behalf, God. We pray, God, help us to do anything that you would do if you were here in body. Help us to do it through your spirit, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Anything God has ever done, He can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, He can do here. And anything God has done for anyone, He can do for you. He can do for you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. If you're watching online on live stream, thank you so much for joining in this Tuesday night midpoint with us. We're going to be right back here on Sunday morning. If you could join us for our worship service at 1045, we'd love to have you. Love for you to be a part. It's Pentecost Sunday. We're, going to, we're expecting God to fill people with the Holy Ghost, to fill people with His Spirit in, in a mighty way and for God to be put on display. So we invite you to come and be join in service with us. And we'll be right back here next Tuesday. And thank you so much for your faithfulness. 
in your tithes, in your offerings, and in your givings. Literally, the reason we're able to continue doing what we're doing week in and week out here is because of your faithfulness. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. And uh, have a blessed week in Jesus' name. On behalf of everyone here at The Anchor, we want to thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this message, there are a few things that you can do. Share this podcast on Facebook or send it directly to your friends. Also, please leave a review on any platform that you're listening from. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram. Send us a message. We'll get right back to you. We're happy to help you in any way that we can. See you next week.